Welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamari, and yet again, I'm joined by your personal mind fiend. So, dude. It's, oh, God. <laughs> it's, the it's, audio. <laughs> oh, Hey, it's Keon Buzarjumari. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, God, I hope no one heard the creaks from my headphones. <laughs> so, Keon, you have the honor of being on the final fifth sense of our Senses in Sci-Fi series. Oh, I'm honored. Yes, we have done, in this order, sound, sight, smell, touch. Touch was a little creepy. <laughs> now, we have your showstopper, taste. All right. Now, the weird thing was I tried real hard to come up with a sweating the small stuff about, like, an example of food or taste in sci-fi, and the closest i could get was the matrix okay. and how taste works there but then over time i came to appreciate there's like a bigger thing about food in sci-fi that i think gets i think a lot of people don't appreciate it so i'll start off by saying this episode is going to be a little different from the other ones i'm still going to give you the science behind taste okay but we're going to just get a little riffy and talk about the interesting ways that food itself maybe not necessarily taste but food plays a role in not just sci-fi but in how we perceive things okay so let's just get this out of the way how do we taste? Well, With it's your mouth. <laughs> Man, you beat me to the punch. Oh, so. Take that, Heather Had Hadfield. So according to WebMD, you have cancer mm -hmm. and your leg is broken. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but they also bring up a equally important question, which is why do some people... <laughs> Sorry, I was God. not expecting you to enjoy that. Was, I was sitting on that for a little bit. It was too real. According to WebMD, you have cancer. So according to an article by Heather Hatfield on WebMD, there's this big question about like how we all really perceive taste. Like we all perceive the same five flavors, but we perceive tastes differently. Mm. And it's very neurological. So the this long and short of it is we have taste receptors in our tongues. There are special little cells on your tongue that are coded to identify five major flavors. Sour, sweet, salty, bitter, and umami or savory. Yeah, everyone loves to make fun of umami. This is my favorite. It's so good. Delicious. So the question is, how can someone eat Brussels sprouts by the bunches while someone else prefers to only eat peas? And the point comes back to that our sense of taste is a sense that, in a I hate to say it like this, but it adds flavor to our world. Okay. But the way we perceive taste, much like we perceive smell and um, well, mostly how we perceive smell as opposed to the other senses is completely dependent on how our genes are coded. Okay. So you taste something on your tongue. Mm -hmm. The specific receptor that it's coded for is experiencing it. And then it sends neurological signals to your brain where it's interpreted as a flavor. Okay. And so when it comes to the bigger sense of taste like food, you have one part that is your taste buds tasting something okay and then you have another part that is your ability to smell it like when you get that depth of flavor and all the like different sort of pieces that make up a cake versus spicy curry versus um cheetos okay that is a mix of taste and smell and that's also why when your nose is stuffed up you can't taste as well huh okay yeah never thought about that and then the thing that really matters though about how we enjoy foods how we think positively or negatively is a mix of how those genes are encoded. So some of us are actually encoded to get a stronger or different sort of neurological reception from the taste of bitter okay. than sweet. So most people will drink coffee and I despise it. It's so, right, dude, I can't. 
that. Oh, I can't deal with that. I'll drink okay. some good Earl Grey. Mm -hmm. I might drink um, a soft drink every mm -hmm. once in a while. I've been trying very hard not to drink them. But that is the big thing for us is that like our ability to taste not just the flavors, but also the intensity of flavor. Like there's a reason mm -hmm. why some people get a lot of or don't get much flavor out of very rich soda. Mm -hmm. And then some people can enjoy the taste of low strawberries on low battery. That is LaCroix. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. I was yeah. about to bring it up. <laughs> It's I such can't. a weird drink, but I am growing. Like the it's, more you drink it, the more you like it. It's I so just strange. love it. Seltzer water pretending to be soda. It's adorable. <laughs> like put on a soda costume. It does a good job. Yeah, for what it. I mean, for what it is. Yeah, yeah I, I got there. I, it took me a long time, but now I feel bad. Mm -hmm. But the point is that. <laughs> but now I feel bad. The way we perceive flavor is similar to smell, in that when you smell fajitas and the fajitas made you feel bad, mm -hmm. I believe it's called in psychology. And I know you're a big psychology guy here. The fajita effect. No, it is not. So this is so. This is actually a mis. Really quick aside is that this is Cameron conflating two things that our uh, psychology teacher in high school brought up. Is that the fajita effect is something that happens that when you're at a restaurant and uh, someone orders a fajita, a random person, the uh, waiter or waitress, the waitstaff will put in like three orders for for fajitas because when a fajita comes out, it's this loud, sizzly event, and that causes other people to say, "I'll have what they're having," and therefore it's easy for them to keep up with. They know as soon as one person orders it, other people order it. The reason Cameron's conflating this is because in high school, our psychology teacher, who is incredibly good, gave us a story about uh, the power of uh, association in that apparently one time he went and ate fajitas and it gave him the worst food poisoning of his life. So now every time he has fajitas, even though the fajitas tasted good, they ended up, his body had a very negative reaction. So now anytime he smells fajitas, let alone if somebody orders them that's tangential to him and now he smells that, uh, then he has this really viscerally negative bodily effect because his body's like remember last time do you remember because I'm, I'm gonna make you remember <laughs> kind of thing but that's actually the, so it's the power of association a fajita affects something different but it is that deep power of association with a bad situation or a bad thing that happened to you with a stimulus or a trigger well that's the thing is like you mm. i think you kind of hit it right on the nail or you hit the nail right <laughs> i hit it right on that nail yeah man you got that hammer and hit it right on the nail I hit the nail so on the hammer what happens is um you have that association the reason people are ordering fajitas is because it looks so enticing mm -hmm. and ideally you've had a positive experience with the fajitas and don't have food poisoning yeah. so your <laughs> it brain smells good you know, yeah it's... your brain is immediately wired to say i have pleasant th thoughts of taste pleasant thoughts of smell and pleasant like visual and auditory experience and then you can even get into feel with um, with mouth feel and Ooh, stuff yeah so mm -hmm. all five senses are being engaged to the point where they like food and this comes back to a big thing about our senses that a lot of people don't appreciate which is we all at a mechanical level perceive sense or perceive smell everything to smell and taste the same mm -hmm. then you step back one level out and you look at nature and how our genes are encoded a specific way to in to be more engaged for certain flavors or smells mm -hmm. and then you get all the way out to nurture where you're saying that still is only a little bit of the picture i could be born at the same time and live a separate life where i was always fed maybe a different kind of food or mm -hmm. a different style like a, of cooking yeah like a twin separated at birth kind of thing yeah. yeah and while we both might love bitter i mm -hmm. might definitely prefer certain foods over mm -hmm. my long lost twin because we've just been exposed to different foods and have different positive associations mm -hmm. so in in psychology there are the two camps that some people think that nature and nurture are the two things that cre create the person that you are so some people think by the virtue of your genes you are of this nature and that's why you're how you are now but other people are like no based on your experiences in life or how the way you were nurtured that's how you've turned into so I, from what I under, 
understand what you said, just so I can like kind of remember it correctly, is that the the nature being that your taste buds are wired in such a way that accept certain flavors and they enjoy them more. While the nurture is like you said with the fajitas, if you had a really bad experience with the fajitas, you're not going to like them. But if you had a really good experience with fajitas, then you will like them. Uh, and that that both of those play into your eventual tastes, um, as well as a lot of people. I've I had a friend in high school who literally only ate like chicken nuggets and pizza. He would never eat anything exotic, and like that just comes from the nurture of like I you might have a, uh, potentially one time tried something exotic and really hated it. And now, I mean, for a long time, I didn't like sushi because first time I had it, my my uncle <laughs> served it to me oh, and God. accidentally dunked it in a whole thing of soy oh, sauce. God. It was like, dude, it's good. And he like was it blew on it, uh, like blew, uh, blew some How of the soy sauce off. On it? it was like, so it's funny gonna, like, to get the ad- additional soy sauce off. And then he just gave it, it was like a California roll. I'm like, oh, all sushi, uh, sushi is just bitter, salty garbage. <laughs> it's all caviar. I'm not going to eat that. And it's like, it was it's all, so not, it was definitely bad because we didn't know how to make the freaking um, rice with the rice vinegar. So mm. all the short grain <sighs> rice turned out like al dente or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and was it a got time. all nasty. Okay, the point is we're bad. You guys at ruined me. <laughs> yes. But this, this sensation playing out is kind of the point I wanted to play with this episode, which mm-hmm. is up until now, we looked at the mechanics of senses yeah. down to how physics and biology interact. But for this episode, I want to step back and look at how senses, especially food and taste, mm-hmm. paint sci so okay. there's a like one that I know I've heard it on NPR. I've heard it all over the place. And it's like the one big thing that has to do with how this plays out is in the original Mad Max near the end of the movie, he is sitting in his car. He's got, I think they're called like gyrocopter operators or something <laughs> like tied up. And he's just savoring a like special treat, uh-huh. which is a small can of dog food. That's a special treat. Exactly. Oh, and God. it does two things. One is it paints the world mm-hmm. in Mad Max, there is a problem of scarcity. Mm -hmm. So the weird thing is all the things that have to do with cars are semi-abundant and everything else is even more scarce. Mm -hmm. But food, you would think that like food is so scarce, food, good edible food is so hard to come by that this protein rich dog food Mm -hmm. to him is like, it it would have been one thing if he like opened it up and was like, I'm upset about this because I'm used to eating better food. Mm -hmm. But no, he savors it. Mm -hmm. He sits there and he is just munching that stuff down and just every time he puts the spoon in his mouth, he savors that bite. And there are countless other people who are like, I saw that and I ate dog food and my mom <laughs> thought I was a strange boy. Well, that also brings, uh, I, I didn't even, like, while you were saying that, that reminds me of, like, that does it, uh, tell you how the world is. It creates a, a direct correlation with, like, they're not in great times if they're eating something, quote unquote, lesser than what you might get at a corner store. Uh, for example, in the movie Snowpiercer, they eat, like, these bars of, uh, the protein, of like, the protein cubes. Yeah, the protein protein cubes that's like made of bugs and it's Mm. it it, don't worry it has everything you need to survive but it's made of bugs and it tastes terrible and then as they go through the the train and they find better food that becomes like it shows that their progression and how they're growing in the narrative as well as like in you know the the hierarchy of that civilization same thing in um soylent green the movie the famous movie (laughs) and that man that movie played the thing it's such a slow like noir type film but it plays a really good it, it, it does a really good job of painting the picture of this world because you have the Soylent Green, which is uh, a food that is made up of whatever you don't know until the end. And you're like, what is made up of? What is Soylent Green made of? Okay, it's 
people. It's made of people. That's such a it's such a gifable moment where he finds out. But um, <laughs> it's people. It's people. But uh, it also like not only does that the food tell you this is a rough world and that there's not much food going around, so they have to eat these little wafers that are quote unquote soil and green. But also the fact that when one of the characters is uh, like by virtue of just how the world works and like not everybody can survive and some people elect to be euthanized, that he's the way that they do it is that they sit him down in a chair and they just show him basically to us that would be stock footage of like a really nice meadow and some horses running around and stuff like that and both of them both the guy being euthanized and our main character who's watching the thing happen both are in tears they're weeping because they've never seen something so beautiful because in this world resources are completely scarce there's like nothing there's no wilderness there's no nothing everything's been built out and moments like that are really important and so food can immediately without like because when you when you see that moment you might think like oh wow they don't have those things but food immediately creates that connection the same kind of connection where like they don't have wilderness or horses that must suck in your mind when you see someone eating dog food and they were enjoying you're like damn they got a rough spot like they're in a rough place and you don't even think about it half the time and yeah building on that like think about how food itself is juxtaposed in the matrix because Mm. people in the matrix are eating food you are eating right now they're eating what they think is normal food when reality they're not actually eating anything they're being fed a nutrient sludge Mm-hmm. all the time you yeah, like but, through a, a intravenous tube but what's the i don't remember the guy's name but he, there's a scene where him and agent smith are sitting down doing a quote oh, unquote, uh, cypher cypher and him yeah. are sitting down eating doing a quote-unquote negotiation where he's sitting there and he clearly points out like i am tasting steak i have never actually tasted a steak in my life because mm-hmm. they are born and live their entire lives in these tubes to the mm-hmm. point where how could they possibly know what steaks taste like mm-hmm. so he knows that everything he's feeling right now is just electrical impulses in his brain mm-hmm. But he knows it's steak and it shows that even though you are trapped in this matrix, even though you've resigned your free will to exist in this matrix, mm-hmm. although not in the simulation, choice, yeah. yeah, you are not living in scarcity. Mm-hmm. Juxtapose that with the people who are outside of the simulation who, for some weird reason in all these sci-fi movies, it doesn't matter how much scarcity there is. People are always eating mush. Yeah, some sort of sludge. It's yeah. some sort of like, it's, it's always, it always looks like cornflakes that have been left out too long. Yeah, for me, it was like runny oatmeal. Like and it did not look fun. Yeah, and so... It's always implied that like, oh, this weird, gross thing Mm -hmm. gives you more than enough energy to get through the Matrix day. But also it paints the world that's like, if you're going to rebel, you are living in scarcity. Yeah, you're you're uh, to fight the fight. You need to make sacrifices, big sacrifices. And something uh, to that point that I really appreciate also about the movie is that when you think of simulations or you think of like how the brain interprets things that not only does Cypher, you know, he eats the steak and he's enjoying it in the moment, but there's also another like layer of melancholy that you can tell and he's in his monologue when he's talking to uh, Agent Smith he says like I know that the Matrix is telling my brain that this is a delicious piece of snake and it's savory and delicious and moist and and he says ignorance is bliss but that that line alone is the confounding factor that he's like I'm eating this right now and if I didn't know that I was in a simulation this would be a perfect moment I would enjoy the steak to the fullest but the fact that I know that this isn't real is making it worse for me and that's why I want to be put back at at the end of the day, Tank or Dozer or any of the people that are on the, um, that was the Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yeah. Anybody on the ship that he's a part of can put him in a simulation where he has like an unlimited amount of food and he could eat all of it and, you know, not get full. It could be an, a perfect simulation, but still a simulation to him. And so that's not even what, being able to do that isn't what matters. Being ignorant of the fact that it is a simulation is what matters in that world, which is just such a, man, I love me some movies. Yeah. And I think, so that last point is perfect because 
because it talks about you done. Shut up. <laughs> so that last point is perfect because I think it really hits home the point I was trying to make, which is at the end of the day, our senses are not just a product of these mechanical processes in our body. Mm-hmm. They are a product of the context by which we take in the world around us. And knowing like you can, just like you said, I can eat the perfect steak that I cook mm-hmm. and then I can eat the perfect steak that I cooked in the matrix. And because I know I'm in the matrix, it will feel less. Mm-hmm. And actually this comes back to something I want to talk about in Star Trek. Because okay. in Star Trek, they have the concept of replicators. They live in a post-scarcity world where no one ever has to go hungry because you have machines that will make you the perfect food, the perfect way every time in an instant. So the replicator will just zap like the, the that same steak into reality, like yeah. an actual real version. And it's to the point where people are saying, I know a replicator made it, so it tastes not as good to mm. me. And so there's actually several different places where like Worf or um, I think Tuvok, like different characters across the different Star Treks will have these like B moments where it's like just something in the background or they're just hanging out. Mm. And they'll talk about how they replicated the ingredients, not mm. the food, because they either enjoy the habit of like sitting there being immersed in the smells of what you're cooking mm-hmm. or making the actual food from quote unquote scratch because the replicators just don't make it right. Mm-hmm. And realistically, they could be ending up making the exact same food, the only mm-hmm. difference, like down to an atomic level. Mm-hmm. And the only difference is that they know they made it and somehow that mm-hmm. satisfaction plays more into how they enjoy the food. Yeah. Which is interesting because like, well, not only if I went to Publix or insert your local grocery store here, because I know everybody, no, everybody didn't have Publix. Publix will win the grocery <laughs> wars. <laughs> oh, and we should talk about Demolition Man we'll and Taco Bell. But, um, but that's what I mean is that like you could go to Publix or any grocery store and buy deviled eggs. But man, I love my rep- recipe for deviled eggs. Like as a, you know, this is a legitimate thing in my life that I love deviled eggs. And that not only does the act of you making it yourself matter, but also the fact that you're making it in, in the particular way you would make it. I don't know if a rep, well, I don't know about the replicator technology, but I couldn't imagine the replicator technology making it exactly how you would want it. And even if it did, you're not, you don't have that peace of mind. It's not like, it's the exact opposite of the matrix where in the matrix, ignorance is bliss, whatever's in this is great. But when you know, when you know what went into that, when you know the, the ingredients and how it was created, not only can you say like, well, I worked, I did a great job on this and it tastes delicious. But even if you messed up in your mind, you're like, oh, well, I'll do this next time. You're like, you're growing and that alone is satisfying. And think about if you step back for a second, there is no logical reason to have an open kitchen on a starship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the fact that these people are willing to take on this fire hazard yeah. to make this food, because the other thing is replicators, supposedly you can program in exactly what you want. So you can make that version of the food that mm-hmm. you just made, yeah. program it into the replicator, I imagine through some copy pasta mechanism <laughs> yeah, some and script copy kitty. that pasta. You can- <laughs> That's pretty good. (laughs) And you would have exactly what you wanted, but you still wouldn't feel the satisfaction of making Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And now we got to talk about Demolition Man. Yeah, buddy. Oh, I love that movie. It's a banger Well, it's just, I got to be honest. I'm going to be honest. In my mind, that's a B movie, but the fact that they make Taco Bell the winner of the Fast Food Wars (laughs) is A plus, baby. Actually, they couldn't get the right to Taco Bell in some countries. So in some versions of Demolition Man, Pizza Hut wins. Yeah. Which, did you hear that's like a Mandela effect thing? 
thing. Really? Some people are just like, oh my God, the Mandela effect. I remember it being Pizza Hut. It's like, it was. There were versions. Yeah. That it was Pizza Hut. And people are like, no, it's the it's the universe impact, like collapsing in on itself. I'm going to ask you to quickly tell us the Mandela effect. Because oh, yeah. Okay. So um, for everyone in the audience, sorry to, to have us go on this tangent, that there, uh, there's something called the Mandela effect that sprouts from the fact that people, some people remember that, uh, or they misremember that in the, I don't remember if it's the early 2000s or the uh, late 90s, that they thought that Nelson Mandela died in prison uh, because he was arrested in, I don't know if it was South Africa, somewhere. South and, Africa. Yeah. And so he was in prison and some people re- misremember that he died in prison. He didn't. He lived a long life and got out of prison. And people would say like, no, I, rem- I distinctly remember that happening. And they think that the Mandela effect comes from misremembering that moment and thinking that, well, if that happened and uh, and for uh, in my mind, I know that that happened. But in this reality I'm living in, it didn't. That means that the reality that I, I was living in, in which it happened, has collapsed in and joined this new reality and created this new amalgamation where the information that I know is real is false. And it's really just an effect that people misremember things, but they play it off as like, well, two universes have collided and morphed into this one that's that's not correct in my brain. So some people think that the Berenstain bear, Bears yeah. were called the Berenstain Bears. They've always been called Berenstain Bears. <laughs> uh, some people, they, they just, they Nokia. don't notice things. I'm telling that's you, there <laughs> were two realities that merged together and the only difference between them was that the some Berenstain gosh Bears dang bears. the Berenstain Bears. I, that's the thing, is that it's always some minute detail. It's for the, and I think that's why they named it the Mandela Effect is because that's a pretty big thing to misremember. And uh, what some people misremember also is that right now, listener, think about this. Do you remember in the um, 90s there was a movie where a Sinbad was a genie? That didn't happen. It wasn't called Kazam because there was a, or Shazam. It was called Kazam and it was with uh, Shaquille O'Neal and he played a genie. And some people misremember that when Sinbad never, has never played a genie, but uh, Shaquille O'Neal has. And they misremember the movie and, and Sinbad's like, I haven't done that. Just remember the kid driving the car, but not driving the car. That's <laughs> yeah. what I remember. And it was, a and, I, and even right I now like I could be misremembering. I don't know. Maybe Shaquille O'Neal was never, never in a genie movie, but regardless, one of them is wrong and you remembered wrong and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be a human being. I'm going to, I'm going to pull us back. Okay. Right yeah. Let's, let's get off this. So let's rerail this train. So one of the things I love about demolition, mm-hmm. other than the fact that Taco Bell wins, yes, because I know you love Taco I Bell. I love it so much. It's episode, so terrible for you, but it's great. There's an episode why a podcast <laughs> where he literally, Keon just like <laughs> makes a small mental tirade about how great. Taco Bell deserves to win. Yeah. And also that laser goes on this in, in nor- Oh my God. He gives like a reverend type speech about the um, Supreme Taco or the double decker taco. I wanted to make a video out really of that good. like one minute. He, oh man. It's, it's, it's a sermon. It's incredible. Okay. So, so go listen to white podcast, <laughs> but the, it's interesting that one episode, that one movie has a very interesting story, which is in terms of food, which is mm-hmm. they live in a quote unquote post scarcity society where mm-hmm. there is no crime. There is no war. There's no most terrible things that people consider to be terrible right now. Mm-hmm. But the food, everything about their lives is controlled to guarantee complacency and cooperation over hostility and um, just like enforcing like your own self as being like some uncooperative loner. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is how that plays out in the food because Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone is a man out of time. Yes. And so when he shows up there, he's literally like, where's the toilet paper? What are these three shelves? Yeah. Where's the good <laughs> food? These crackers taste bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though he's in a time that's supposed to be of abundance where you can eat and enjoy things to the fullest, mm-hmm. that fullness is completely painted by the fact that these people have only known this reality, even mm-hmm. though it's only a few decades in the future. Yeah. And Sylvester 
that's just Stallone's reality. The moment he enjoys himself is when they're in the like subterranean, like underground, and he's eating a rat burger, mm-hmm. and someone's like, "Oh, that's a rat burger," and he's like, "It's delicious," and he's yeah. just wolfing this like it looked like the worst like when you were in yeah. high school and they made those bad cafeteria burgers. <sighs> yeah, and he's wolfing it down because to him, even though he can live without or even though he can eat mm-hmm. just fine in yeah. this world, he's not living when he eats. Mm-hmm. He's not enjoying himself. He's not getting the satisfaction. And to that point, like the thing that's interesting about that, well, I mean like the the overall like theme of the movie is the difference between a uh, choice and freedom versus like a, a, a restriction basically. So that the restriction of that world is that kind of, uh, they're not allowed to say certain words without getting a fine. You can't, um, you apparently can't even have intercourse with each other. You do it through some VR thing or you don't even, people don't even kiss like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's just like all of these, restrictions they have the three shells or whatever you don't like waste toilet paper anymore you use some sort of whatever uh and also you don't have the choice of fast food anymore there was a war that that got rid of every other fast food place and that's kind of a throwaway funny line but when they even go to taco bell he can't order a taco bell meal he can't go and get like oh like i like the five dollar box it's he goes and there's like this tapas or something and Mm -hmm. it's just like what even is this and now taco bell has turned into this fine dining experience and so even the things that were sloppy and gross in the past have now been replaced by this really sterilized version. And so when he goes to the underground, that rat burger is probably completely different than any other rat burger that's ever been made. Anything there is more or less bespoke because they can't make this sterilized version. And so that therein lies, like that's the interesting thing about food in a lot of these movies is that they can show you that. They can be an extension of the 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 theme, which for that one is the this cookie cutter um, consistency that everybody has and they all have to play by these rules. But this underground place shows you freedoms that we have that they in the 80s had and that they're afraid they might lose in the future which i wouldn't say we have lost we've just gotten more sterilization we have more choices now but they're all of a certain standard because i mean osha violations and stuff like that <laughs> like well, we need also, to make sure like everything has sugar or soybean yeah like i when i started doing whole 30 mm-hmm. that was the one thing i noticed was like i couldn't have cashews because yeah. they're roasted with soybean oil that didn't need to happen mm-hmm. sorry i think we're a little over so what you got for us, buddy? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, and, and just to pinch it off, I think that's important, is that, like, really how things... Oh, gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the three shells. Uh, but how things in movies and stuff like that do play out, and you see them as an extension of that world, which I've already said. But anyway, um, I just really quickly want to plug some of my stuff that I got going on. Um, I am... I run my own podcast. Cameron's got his podcast. I got my podcast. Mine's more about self-help and self-motivation. So, well, self-worth. Make yourself feel good. You're great people, and I love Love you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you like uh, my voice and what I do, I have my own podcast called Life Advice with Keon. That's a self-help one. And it is L-A-W-K. You can find me at LawCast on, so L-A-W-K cast at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't populate those too much, but the podcast itself is, L- you can usually find it with L-A-W-K or L-A-W-K uh, Life Advice with Keon. Uh, I also have the other podcast we mentioned earlier with some of my friends, uh, Laser and Matt, called Why a Podcast, where we, it's more of a goofs and gaffs, having some laughs uh, podcast. And and then uh, I'm also pretty active on Instagram and uh, YouTube a little bit, where on Instagram I am uh, keonboozer.cinema, where I have a lot of my photography and videography stuff. And then Print3D LLC, where I do some 3D printing and a little bit of 3D modeling and uh, 3D animation. And then on YouTube, I am Keon Boozer, and I have some of my like demo reels and other video stuff that I've been doing. So yeah. Check out Time Sheriff. Oh yeah, that's a that's a fun one. I'm that's, actually, I'm funny. it's funny that we bring that up because it's pretty much an amalgamation of all those 80 mo- 80s movies. So this 
style of Demolition Man is in there. I didn't even think about that, like that we we did kind of crib a little bit. We, we crib from a lot of 80s stuff, but the aesthetic of that kind of like, you know, neon a little bit is is in there. So please, please watch Time Sheriff Over, Overclocked. And how about you, Cameron? Give me some plugs. Real fast. If there are any TV or Netflix producers listening out there, <laughs> please, please, please let Time Sheriff become a TV show miniseries mm-hmm. or something because yeah. they're... We have a full treatment we want to do for a ha- for a miniseries you version. Need, you need to make yeah. a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I will help you write any scripts, do anything Super fun, you need. Yeah. I want to be zero hour so bad. Yes. Oh, man. Quick. Yeah, that's a that's you, No one's allowed peek. to know what that is. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this is Swaying the Small... St- you've been listening to Swaying the Small Stuff. <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Small Stuff Pod. Please tweet at us with hashtag Small Stuff Pod or hashtag Swaying the Small Stuff. Let us know about the small things that you sweat. If you're liking the show, please do share it with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just... I've since we started this, and I know this is going to be our ninth episode. Mm-hmm. I've just been having a blast, and yeah. I know we get a little all over the place. We've covered some crazy topics from how our roses turned into this commodity oh, on yeah, Valentine's Day to how do our senses play out in the sci-fi universe. And I just like I'm just enjoying it. And yeah, time to cancel it. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> anyway. From uh, movies to, <laughs> it's like I'm. It's like it's become a trope that I have to mess up this line. Yeah, yeah. From movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. Pretty good.